I'm Jonathan Goldstein, host of Wiretap. Each week you're invited to listen in on my telephone conversations, whether funny, sad, wistful, or even slightly strange. You never know just what you might hear on Wiretap. Uh, I mean, I knew you had a show. I just, I just didn't think that people actually listened to it. Howard, That's you... the breath of your genius, Jonathan. It's not just that you're funny, but you can be cripplingly, poignantly depressing. The Wiretap Archives, available on CBC Listen, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Meryl McMaster is a photographer. She mostly does these elaborate self-portraits in nature. And her latest is inspired by her Métis great-great-grandmother and a history that is so often erased. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. You're listening to Q. Some photographers use their cameras to tell stories of what they see, to show you what they see. The artist Meryl McMaster uses hers to show you who she is, her own history, and how that connects to the land. Meryl does self-portraits. There are these images where she's wearing ornate handmade costumes and she's standing in these large landscapes. She does this in order to shine a light on Indigenous stories that have tended to be forgotten or undertold and to explore her own mixed heritage. She uh, has Plains Cree, Métis, Dutch, and British roots. There's a new exhibition right now at Ramey Modern in Saskatoon showing Meryl's work from her very beginnings at school up until now. And her newest works in the show are based on Merrill's great-great-grandmother's diary and a letter written when she lived in Red Pheasant Cree Nation in Saskatchewan. Here's my conversation with Merrill McMaster. Hi, welcome to Q. Hi, nice to see you. <laughs> nice to see you too. Nice to radio see you. And yeah. I'm going to say this off the top. I mean, you have an exhibition that covers your life's work so far. You are, if I am okay to say this, you're in your 30s. That's significant. I think it's a huge marker of what your work means to to people. What has it meant to you to have a, a retrospective of sorts at, at this age? Yeah, it's it's still something that, um, in a lot of ways, I can't believe because I I think, you know, I I still have feelings of being being a child or even in university and and dreaming of becoming an artist and exploring the world through imagery and. And so, yeah, it really just um, surprises me, I guess, too, how much work I've completed over this, I guess, 15 years um, kind of time frame that this this exhibition kind of encompasses. So, yeah, so I, I guess I'm surprised at how much work I've done and kind of how far I've come, I guess, from kind of those early stages of, of starting to discover my voice as an artist. That has to be really something to walk into a show, not only... I mean, it's not like you're taking photographs of other people, right? This is also, this is a show of photographs that you have taken of yourself for the most part. So that has to be a whole mm-hmm. other element of, of amazement. Yeah, I think when I look at my photographs, because predominantly I do self-portraiture, so so I photograph myself. So yeah, at times it is kind of weird to look in a room surrounded by images of, of oneself. But at the same time, you know, I think I embody different kind of mindsets or, or different kind of personas uh, within within the works and are embodying different people. So when I when I look at the works, it's it's a bit of me, but it's also other voices also in a way coming through through myself. So yeah, so I kind of recognize myself, but at the same time I, I don't recognize myself, which maybe makes it easier to kind of <laughs> um, you know kind of digest you know um, all these eyes, all these familiar eyes looking back at me. <laughs> I hear that. Let's help me help me paint a bit more of a picture for people of of what 
of what your photographs look like. Like I would say, if I had to be very basic about it, that they're very, very large and that the first thing we might notice is the the landscape. Maybe it's a forest or a field or a, a body of water, but nature is the backdrop. And then you're in these images and you're wearing very intricate costumes um, that tell a story. What would what would you add add to that to round out the the picture? Yeah, that's a very good um, kind of description of them. And uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like my work kind of fits in this almost like magic realism style. Yeah. So they're um, really yeah grounded in these kind of panoramic landscapes that are usually nowadays site-specific landscapes um, that I travel to that hold culturally significant and historically um, kind of important um, stories to myself, but also to many of um, Canadians, many of us. And you usually see me in a landscape, there's movement, and I'm, in some cases, you can recognize me, or I'm very kind of disguised within these, these handmade objects that I've made in my studio space, um, and, you know, bring out to, to these places, and looking again at questions of, of identity and the self, and you see certain um, elements um, of my bicultural identity used in kind of, you know, symbols throughout these different costumes or kind of objects that I'm holding or wearing within within the images. So so there's a lot of um, mixing and transforming of, of these different ideas of myself within within the images and in a dreamlike way as well. So they're so compelling. Like you just, there's so, there's so much to look at and there's so much depth. Um, And the the newest works in your show have to do with the story of your great grandmother, who I am fascinated by and I want to talk about a little bit. So can you tell me how you came to learn more about her? I think through letters or like personal diary. Yeah. So in in this larger exhibition, um, that's this kind of survey of my work. I also, over the last couple of years, um, created new work for this exhibition and it's titled Stories of My Grandmothers. And it includes about nine photographs and two films. And you know, the beginning kind of inspiration for these works um, was a diary um, that my great-great-grandmother Bella Wetney um, wrote, as well as a letter that she also wrote two different, very different stages in her life, um, one in the late 40s and one kind of in the in the 70s when she was in, in her 70s herself. So, well, you know, when I was reading, especially this diary, it was really interesting. It kind of painted this bigger, bigger picture of who she was and, you know, the diary was uh, written over a year's time and it had really simple, you know, almost like notes that she was talking about everyday things. So whether it was farming or hauling wood, making bread, collecting different plants for traditional medicines, visiting different family members or, or breaks in daily life to go to cultural social events. It was kind of interesting yeah, seeing the kind of routine of, of her life. So looking at these different pieces of writing and then also interviewing family members about her as well as my great-great-grandmother Matilda and then my my grandma Lena, they were able to kind of fill in the blanks about the these women who I two of them I had never met before. So um so really these mental pictures began began forming. And yeah, I just um really wanted to bring some of these stories to life because, you know, for the most part, especially indigenous women, are a lot of times forgotten and invisible. And so I really wanted to make 
their presence and their stories, you know, visible, um, as well as look at what was happening um, at the time historically during during this kind of 130 year time frame that you know these women were living through. So it's a blend of personal, but also kind of larger stories coming together that influenced um, who these women were. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm DeLon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. When I look at one of um, one of the images called "When the Shadows Fall," that I think mm-hmm. is inspired by your great great grandmother Bella Watney that you're that you're talking about, I- I'm yeah. struck by like you you just said you know uh, making sure to tell stories of of people who 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 might have been invisible or or erased, and then when I look at the way that you've chosen to show her or yourself as her in, in this mm-hmm. photograph, like I see a a white snowy background and then you are wearing a really, really heavy coat and you've, you've got sort of a, a backpack made of branches, I guess, that are that are sticking out. And then all I can see are your eyes um, poking through a, a hat that's covering most of your face. So why did you choose to tell the story of her daily life in that way? Like what are, what are, what are you getting at there? Yeah, so this image, again, was inspired by many different, you know, kind of stories that um, I was told or that I was reading through through this different writing material. And some of the kind of major things that jumped out to me through, through this research that I was doing about Bella, but also the other two grandmothers, were just these kind of themes of survival and resilience and kind of self-determination. And they all shared that. And so part of this image is maybe evoking um, that, that feeling, you know, that I was kind of thinking about when I was thinking about these women. But uh, one of the inspirations was a letter that at the time that she wrote this letter, she, she had been widowed and she talks about this struggle of being widowed at an early age and then trying to build a house of her own and um, you know, how she was trying to get money that she was owed from the federal government, which she um, failed to receive in the end. So she had to sell off pretty much all her belongings, um, um, her cattle in order to build this house eventually. So I was thinking about that when I was thinking about, um, again, this kind of, um, you know, burden that she was was carrying and this hope that she was kind of carrying. There was also within the diary, she had wrote, written a lot about, um, you know, kind of these relationships that they had to 
um, the parklands, which is kind of this area, you know, in between the prairies and, and the woodlands and kind of their relationship with trees. They used it for warmth, shelter, again, economic livelihood. They would sell wood in town for money, but they also used it for traditional medicine. And I remember a story my dad was telling me where she was teaching him to chew the leaves of the poplar tree and um, and then to put that kind of chewed leaf onto a bee sting and that would help heal the bee sting. So um, yeah, so she would teach her children and and then my father, you know, traditional medicines with plants and specifically with trees. And I thought that was just really um, a nice story. And again, connection that they had to their, their surroundings. And so I wanted to kind of um, make that connections with, with this tree. And then another connection they had was there was a picture, an old picture when I was going through all this material that, that came to my attention. And there was this little tree planted right outside of this family house that all three of these women would have lived in at one point of their lives. And that house is no longer there, but that tree um, is still there and it's quite big and to me um, every time that I go back and visit family in that area I just see that tree um, is still standing strong and it's just this memory of uh, or this marker of memory and 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 that time and um, and that connection to family so that's a little bit about what I was thinking about when creating that image. That's so interesting. And you delve so deeply into into your family and into your history in your work. And you do have such an interesting personal history, right? You are of mixed heritage, uh, Nehio, from Red Pheasant Cree Nation, um, yeah. also a member of the Siksika Nation. And then you yeah. have British and Dutch ancestry too. Yeah. I'm curious how much coming from very two very different histories that have sometimes been in opposition with mm-hmm. each other how how has that driven your artistic work yeah and it's something this this feeling of um you know in betweenness and kind of internal conflict um is something that i've felt from a young age but i feel like that my art has really allowed me to explore these feelings and the, and these questions and you know, I'm in a place now where I feel like my work has been able or has allowed me to be kinder to myself in, in, in those harder feelings. Just trying to understand one, in a sense, you know, one side of, of my culture, um, you know, did, in a sense, atrocious things to, uh, you know, another, you know, part of my heritage. And, you know, I think that growing up, kind of thinking about that aspect of kind of being in between these, again, very conflicted histories, I guess I found at times it it challenging to understand myself. And, and if I, you know, can try to articulate this, but when I was trying to feel the sense of belonging, um, and uh, sometimes I found that hard. When I wanted to feel proud of one side of me, I felt like it was you know, at conflict with feeling proud with another side of me. And so, um, so that's, I think, what just that internal conflict that I'm kind of talking about. And yeah, that kind of in-betweenness that I explore in my work and, and, and kind of work through. Um, and, and so I think at this stage of my life, I, you know, when I talk about being kinder, kinder to myself, I feel like now I see it in the last several years that I have this kind of unique perspective uh, on the world and 
So I guess that's how, you know, I, I see it now and, and how I think I look at it through through my art practice. So It's so interesting that that has led you to an art practice that is representing yourself, like, mm-hmm. like almost... I guess what what I want to know is like you, like you're setting you're setting up these shots, right? You're you're the subject, mm-hmm. and you're also the the author. Have mm-hmm. you seen parts of yourself in photographs that you've taken that you're surprised by? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think that actually when I'm in in the moment of taking the photograph, I think I I, I, I see surprising aspects of myself. I guess because there, there is this kind of, you know, headspace, I guess, that I have to get into um, when I'm trying to kind of tell these stories or embody these feelings that I'm having. And I feel like in, in those moments, I kind of turn into a different version of myself. And I think that when I, as I said earlier, like when I'm kind of looking at these images after the fact or kind of going through them as I'm taking the image, I I, I don't, in some cases, recognize myself, um, and and not in a in a negative way. It's just I have more confidence, or or you know, I'm kind of just. I think because usually in my day to day life, I'm I, I feel very different than I do in my photographs. Like I am more shyer and, well, in the, and all that. So it's in the one that I'm looking at, the the one that we just talked about. When the shadows fall, like we just mm-hmm. see your eyes, but there is this look of defiance and survival mm-hmm. and focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the horizon that is just it does look like a different person than the person mm-hmm. that I'm speaking to now <laughs> yeah what have you just as we close off here what 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 has the process of taking on these different aspects channeling these channeling these different figures helped you to understand about yourself yeah, I think, well, I just you know it's it 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 has taught me that i mean this 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 process of kind of you know, growing and, and learning about oneself in the world is, is this kind of, you know, ongoing, you know, kind of um, exploration through life. And I think that it still just helps me continue kind of to explore and express my images, kind of this connection, but also disconnection of my cultures, kind of looking at, you know, when I'm in these landscapes, this kind of wonderment and kind of bewilderment, I guess, like of these natural spaces and and I guess I just feel like through my work I'm um, you know kind of really able to explore these relationships with the generations before me and kind of reflect on that but also think about the future generations as well and and so yeah it just kind of makes me more curious and and yeah and makes me want to be more creative in trying to kind of you know, kind of explore, I think, questions that we all kind of ask ourselves. And and I don't think, well, it definitely is not just singular to me. So, you know, I think that's kind of how I, I'm, you know, trying to learn and kind of, you know, grow through, through my work. Um, yeah. I think that's why it's so compelling for so many people. Like there's a you can see you can see past, present, and future, and you can see process in mm. in your work too, which I find really compelling. Yeah, oh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Congratulations on on the on the show, and I just can't wait to see what you continue to do. It's really exciting. It's exciting. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, right now, I feel like all my ideas have been squeezed out. Um, so. Oh yeah. You know, I'm. I, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I think I feel like that at the end of it, any any new project I work on. So, 
Yeah. So I, I am curious and excited to see kind of where my brain heads next and, and what inspiration kind of sparks from thinking about this body work I just finished and what that will kind of lead me to next. So um, yeah, so I'm, I'm there with you. I'm excited of <laughs> where it kind of brings me to next. Well, we look, we look forward <laughs> to seeing whatever's next, Meryl. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. That was my conversation with the artist Meryl McMaster. Her show Bloodlines is on at Ramey Modern in Saskatoon until December 31st. That's it for this episode of Q, but you can find a new episode in your podcast feed right now. From today, it's Tom's conversation with John legend who gives you a deep dive into his musical influences including his grandmother and the way she approached the piano he makes a a comparison between his grandmother's approach and aretha franklin it's pretty nerdy pretty cool he also talks about what it means to steal from the best and why he wanted to write his own songs in the first place rather than just playing other people's music you can find that in your feed right now i'm talia schlinger sitting in for tom power see you next time For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.